to be a part of the body of Christ. Um, and uh, as you all know, I'm the regional advocate for the southern half of Texas, this little piece of land between El Paso and Orange and all the way down. And uh, we have, uh, oh, between eight and 900 ministers now. And uh, so the 50 of us went for an uh, executive uh, meeting for uh, continue to plan and to grow the infrastructure of the, this ministers association it's a it's a wonderful thing Andrew has changed now from uh, so many years ago when I first met him I remember you know uh, a lot of us were really asking him to do something like this and he he didn't want to uh, it just wasn't something he had time for it and want to uh, and so he reluctantly started it. I think uh, when we were we were up there for the first meeting in 2012, I think, and uh, and it was still just sort of a it was we just held on by a a thread sort of in, in many times. And uh, but a matter of fact, when they asked me to be a regional advocate, I, I told. Uh, I told my executive advocate now, who was the regional advocate over Texas, it started out there was just Dr. Burns, and he he uh, flew around to the, the country nonstop almost and pastored a church too to, to have these sort of regional coffees. And then they came up with the regional advocacy and things like that. And now we have lots of other infrastructure, and it's growing and developing, and it's it's been some growing pains. But uh, now that Andrew has seen uh, and the Lord spoke to him that we have entered into the beginning stages of this third great awakening um, so revival is, has begun and so it's become more important now army has become one of his priorities and uh, so it was a powerful and wonderful uh, close up meeting several days there with them and uh, all of his executive staff and, and all of the regional and executive advocates for for army so much came out of it and i'll be sharing some of that with you guys in the weeks to come because it's it's benefits everybody and uh, i uh, i just want to pray right now thank you lord for this day and for all of your love and blessings thank you for the anointing for that breaks every yoke, Lord. Thank you that your truth will press on and press through and be unhindered, Lord. We rebuke the enemy. Uh, we keep him out of this place. We just prepare. Uh, we thank you that your children have prepared their hearts and minds through praise and worship and blessed communion to receive your precious word, the seed of your word into their hearts and minds. And we thank you, Lord, for loving us so much and writing our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you that we are your children and thank you for teaching us about all the benefits and uh, the inheritance that we have, uh, our true identity in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So everybody is uh, really wants one of our shirts and because uh, they're cool. And uh, But I... Uh, um, See, I was going to give these away. I've got, uh, I've got a book here, one of Andrew's, called The True Nature of God. It's really, really powerful. I've read it many times, and I've got some, and i got this one, and I just, uh, I just want to give it to someone. Uh, the first one to come up here and take it um, can have this book. It's <laughs> you're on the outside. Don gets it. Don gets it. You can do that sometimes and people will just come and stand in front of you. And and you just stand there with it and, the, and then finally someone will snap and come up and take it. And it's sort of like that with, uh, with the grace of God, you know. With everything, with our salvation, you have to be persistent you have to be forceful you have to know who you are and claim that identity as a child of God you don't know how powerful you are and many of us most of us all of us are living way below our inheritance I have another one Andrew gave me this just on the last day right before we left he gave me this book he just he just just finished publishing it and uh, it's just about 
his personal appointment with God and uh, what directed him and guided him out of being a young Pharisee, so to speak, into his real uh, destiny with God. And so uh, I read it again on the plane and uh, I'm going to give it to whoever wants it. I'm kind of scared of him. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> we love each other. Uh, man, I, I promised last week I would finish the message that we started. We only got halfway through or something like that, and so I will. Um, we were talking about how powerful we are and all the wonderful things that we have. Let me, let me. I just feel like I need to lighten the mood here a little bit today. There's some spiritual things going on. And I'm. Uh, amen. <laughs> you know, the Lord loves us so much. I, I, I'll start with a funny and uh, see if I can't break my streak of non laughter. <laughs> but there was a. Uh, there was a. Uh, you know, up in, in uh, where my, my place is, up in north central Texas, it's a big country. There's a lot of good hunting up there. And uh, there's some areas that's a really great, great uh, goose hunting, you know. And uh, there was, a, there was a, a young lawyer, a young trial lawyer, who really wanted to go hunting in that area. And he had a friend that finally asked him to go. And... Uh, you know, he told her, hey, you know, take me to the best place. You know, I got a lot of money. I'm, the, I'm you know, I'm the, he's a big shot lawyer. And so they go, and sure enough, they get on the, the geese, and he shoots one, and it falls over into this field, and it's, it's over a fence, and there's, a, there's an old farmer on a tractor, and he comes riding up on his tractor, and he stops and asks him what's going on here. And uh, this young lawyer says, uh, well, I shot a goose, and it fell over there, and I'm going to go get my goose. And he goes, nah, you're not going to come over here on my property and get that goose. And he said, well, I assure you, sir, I'm one of the best trial lawyers in this state, and uh, we can, uh, I can get this settled, you know. And the old farmer, he said, well, you know, we just... <laughs> I don't know about all that. Around here, we normally just settle everything with the three-kick rule. He said, the three-kick rule. What's the three-kick rule? An old farmer sitting up there. He says, well, it's just where, where I, I kick you three times. And then you kick me three times back. And, and we just go back and forth like that until one of us quits. That's, who, that's the winner. The other one. And this young lawyer, he's thinking, man, this old codger, he... He probably can't even kick me without falling down. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whoop his old butt and get my goose. He says, all right, I'll do that. And so that old farmer, he climbs down out of that tractor and he walks over there. And he says, all right. And he's got these big steel-toed, muddy work boots on. And he hauls off and kicks this lawyer. And the first one is right between the legs. And it puts this guy on the ground and in agony, mortal, he's screaming, he kicked him really good. And the next kick, he just kicked him as hard as he could right in the ribs and took what was left of whatever air he had left. The guy was sucking for wind and terrible agony already. And the last kick, he kicked him right in the head and about knocked him out. And that law, he was laying there and he almost died, you know, and then he started to regain his senses a little bit, and with every ounce of energy he could muster just to get up, he said, all right, it's my turn now. And that old farmer says, oh, that's all right, I give up. You can have that old goose. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> We were talking last week about 
I was talking about the fact, I told the story from my book about the wagon train of provision and our being representatives from a faraway land, and that, that was a picture of us, and, uh, and having left all the wagon train of supplies and provisions for all the hurting people over in the valley, and then they, when the angels come to, to find us, we were just huddled up in a mud hut, just in the same and worse condition than all the people that we'd been sent to help. And uh, we don't want it that way. It shouldn't be that way, but in many cases it is. So we were talking more about our inheritance and our rights and privileges and authority as children of God. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, this was uh, a... Peter had uh, just realized that salvation was for the Gentiles as well as for the Jews. And <clears throat> Anyway, in verse 38, it says, it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And God was with him, for God was with him. So healing is a good thing, wouldn't you admit you know, we have to have some in the body of Christ that are preaching and ministering that healing is of the devil and deliverance is of the devil and some of the other beautiful things that uh, are part of our inheritance are of the devil. Well, this says that it's a good thing. And we know that Jesus said that he only did what he saw his father do, you see. And so if you and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So we know it's God's will to heal. It's a good thing. In Luke chapter 9, in the first verse, Jesus gave his disciples power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. And again, in Luke ten nineteen, he warned them uh, that, or I mean, he told them that nothing would ever harm them. And so these are all impartations from the Lord to his disciples and now on to us and we have this same authority and it's good you say well you know I'm not uh, I'm not Peter and I'm not James or John I'm not one of the well Peter wasn't God either <laughs> okay he was just a uh, just like us actually Jesus was too when he was here the only he set aside all of his privileges and and rights and authority, and he just received the baptism and water, then the baptism and the Holy Spirit. He happened to be with him at one time, and that, and he never did a miracle uh, or anything like that before. His whole life was preparing for a three and a half year ministry. It started at the age of thirty, empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter three. I want to show you something. Chapter 3, and starting at the first, if you can read later, the first verse through the 16th verse or so. But I just want to tell you that this is where Peter and John were on their way to go pray. It was the hour of prayer, and they were going to go pray, and there was a lame man from birth there at the gate. And he was he was begging. It was at the gate called Beautiful. Uh, he was hoping to get something from them, something financial, right? So it says here in the third verse, Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. He said, what I have... 
I give you. He didn't, he never prayed for him. He didn't say, God, please come down and heal this man. Lord, please touch this man. He said, what I have, I give you. What did he have? Authority. The authority of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because at the name of Jesus, everything in heaven and earth and below the earth will bow. Everything that has a name. This, every sickness, every disease, everything that has a name. You, when you talk about your problems, you talk about it, you call it something, don't you? Amen. Then it has a name. You speak to that name and you command it in the name of Jesus. It's not you. We know it's God doing the work. But He's given you authority. Jesus sat down because He was finished. Romans 8 verse 11 says the same power that raised Christ up from the dead is now living in you. And gives life to your mortal body. You have raising from the dead power on the inside of you. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. These are the verses that they say Kenneth Hagin wrote. Because <laughs> he ministered from them so much. I'm trying to just hurry along so I'm not going to turn over there. But Jesus teaches us to speak to our mountains. We talk about mountain moving faith. And this is where it comes from. Jesus says, if you have a mustard seed of faith. And you speak to this mountain, it will be uprooted and cast into the sea. If you, if you, if you don't doubt, you don't need more faith. You, let, you need less unbelief. <laughs> it's like a spiritual tug of war going on. In the spiritual realm. You can have faith. And still have unbelief. Oh Lord I have faith. I believe. Help my unbelief. Hmm. Good prayer. Honest. <laughs> Honest prayer. But Jesus told us to speak to our mountains. Jesus. If, have you. You know those scriptures. Right? You have them circled and underlined and all that in your Bible, I hope. Because there's so much there. Because he didn't say speak to God about your mountain. I hope you do. He's your best friend, Jesus is. You can have all kind of conversations. You're going to run to him in every situation and talk to Him in every way until He finally brings you back around to faith and gets you centered and pointed back in the right direction because He loves you so much. But He didn't tell you to tell God to move your mountain. He told you to speak to the mountain. I'm just telling you folks, if the way that you're praying isn't always working out so well for you, you just might want to try some of these things that I'm talking about. God's not going to get mad at you for taking His Word literally. And when you do, great revelation will begin to come to you and then you'll start seeing the greater benefits in your prayer life, I, I can assure you. So we don't need to ask or beg God because it's already done. That's why... Uh, well, I'm going to skip over that for now. Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Right? Most of us are, are hung with our tongue. It's just the truth. We'll say we're believing for one thing. That's why, that's why we're very careful in, in real spirit-filled grace and faith churches be careful who you let pray for you. Be careful if you put together a, a prayer team. Know them that labor amongst you. 
If you got somebody on that team that loves everybody, and that's a wonderful thing, but they just never have been able to control this thing that some of us need a zipper on. <laughs> Lord put a door over my but if they say, Oh goodness. And they have compassion. They have love for the saints. Oh, we're going to pray for them right now. Oh my goodness. Oh, we're going to. Well, we're just going to believe God and He's going to. It's done. And then they hang up the phone and they pick up the phone. They call. Oh, so and so's about dead. That is not who you want praying for you, folks. Don't get all the religious parts right unless it's really. It's really who you, who you intend to be. And it's hard sometimes not to get in the flesh. I have to tell people sometimes when they ask for me to pray for things and they want to, sh- sh- they start to lift up their shirt. I'm, Don't show me that. <laughs> you want me to get into doubt and unbelief with you? They have to pray that away? We'll be here a lot longer than I want to be. I believe you're healed right now in the name of Jesus. Don't get me down there with you. Then we have to both pray ourselves back up into faith. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Do you see yourself as an anointed, loved, powerful child of God with all the provision of God at your disposal. Disposal. Or do you see yourself sick? And broke? Worn out and depressed? Your life is going to go the predominant way of your thinking. Is the point. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see? And everything in the kingdom of God is voice activated. It doesn't take me too long to be talked to somebody. Because I'm an old gardener. I love, haven't had time or made time. Which I'm going to start doing again. But I love to garden. I told people for years that. Because they used to grow a big garden about. 24 by 15 foot wide in my backyard. I have a big backyard. I used to tell people when I was immersed in the Bible for several years and the Lord was bringing me up and teaching me, I, I told them that He taught me as much in, that, in my garden as He did in my prayer room. Because everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. <coughs> There's weeds too. <laughs> I have a chapter in my book. <laughs> you say, man, you have a lot in that little book. I made it little so that somebody might read it once in a while. But people, it's got to be 40 words or less, 40 characters. What's they, they put on Twitter? I don't use Twitter, but nevertheless, it's got to be quick. Andrew has a, every time they make fun of him because every time he's ministering, he'll say 14 times in a message. He'll say, I have a teaching on that. I have a, have a, a four-tape message. You're talking about cassette tapes still, you mentioned. I have a, I have a teaching on that. I have a teaching. So uh, uh, Jeremy Copeland was making fun of him about that. He said, I don't have a teaching on everything like that. Andrew does. You have to, I'm sure Andrew has a teaching on that. And he does. Believe me. You know, there's a prayer in Ephesians that Paul prayed to the church in Ephesus. Uh, it's right in the first chapter. And then there's a, another part. But I want to want to just touch on that. And then I want to share something with you. Uh, in the first chapter of Ephesians, starting in the 19th verse, I'm just going to skip part of it. Ah, no, I'm not. Hey. <laughs> I don't cease to give thanks to you. Starting in the 17th verse, remembering you in my prayers. 
that the God, here's what he prayed, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him above, uh, seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and dominion and power, and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. Put everything under his feet. The point is here that Paul didn't ask for God to give you anything. Imagine that. Writing a prayer, knowing that your your ministry is probably <laughs> at, near, near its end. I think at all times, some people say like the last, like Second Timothy or what, you know, like this is, you know, getting close to when he was going to die. I, I think he always thought he was close to being dead. I mean, every time Paul got to town, he he didn't check into La Quinta. He went and checked his, checked the jail out. See how it was. He'd be there in a minute, you know. <laughs> He's always getting beaten. Died one time, I believe. I believe that's when he went up to the third heaven. He talks about. I believe that's when it happened. When he was stoned to death, and the brothers came and prayed over and brought him back. But that's just me. <laughs> he just asked for you to have a revelation of what you already have in Christ. And that's, that's the very thing that I, I really want for myself and for all of you. That's what we need. This, uh, it's not a dress rehearsal, folks. Yesterday really did end last night, and there's only one day with the Lord. It's called today. And uh, these end times... It, the things that you see and the things that cause people stress and distress, those things are only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. But I'm not part of that ten spies network. I'm part of the two spies network, the Joshua and Caleb network. The JC, or the Jesus Christ, you can call it. The good report, because there's a lot of good things going on in the body of Christ and you, you're not going to hear about these on any of those networks that that I don't even have in my house anymore <laughs> but there's a lot of good things happening and people are hungry for the real Jesus the real Jesus I'm always blessed when I get to go and spend time with with um, some of the ministers that have been such an influence on my life and that I love so much and we labor together and have like-minded. When I met Andrew, I don't know how long ago now, 12 years ago or something like that, I, I told him, I said, I, I've been needing to meet you officially. I said, because I, every time you go to a town, I tell people, go see my friend Andrew and I thought I needed to make it official. <laughs> And so, and I was serving as an usher there at one of his meetings, and uh, I told him, I said, you know, everything that you teach, uh, God showed me uh, in the first year, several months, really, of my salvation. And then I began to minister to them, and I I would get rebuked, and, and they would undermine everything that I taught in all of the churches that I was a part of, and I kept doing it, and they would they would rebuke me again and tell me the scriptures, the hundred scriptures, why they were right and I was wrong, and I'd run back to the throne of God, and He would show me the truth again, and then I, I found uh, Andrew's ministry, and, and this isn't about him; he's no no different than any of us, except that he really. Uh, he made himself a, a living sacrifice. I asked us to do in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And he sought the Lord until he really found him because he wasn't going to settle for less than the real truth. And that's that's what I did. I told him, I said, you haven't, 
told me anything that God didn't already teach me. You just taught me how to articulate it better, and I really needed that. And I needed to know that somebody else believed that so that I didn't keep going crazy and having to run back to God and ask Him if I was right or if I'd misheard Him. He said, no, you're right. Just stick with it, son. He said, it's, it's tough out there like that in that sort of environment because you, you give up everything and everyone gives up on you or whatever from the world and then you go into a situation like that and then if you uh, don't agree with them, they put you in hell too, see? So religious, so religion will do to you. And it's cold and lonely out there and that's why I uh, agreed to take on another full-time job on top of the other four I have already as a volunteer. But when we were there, the, uh, the ministry, uh, there 1,200 employees, there's over 600 there at Karis Bible College up in Woodland Park. Now we're at 80, 84, 8,500 feet. So first thing I do is go to Walmart and buy my can of oxygen. And uh, I look like I'm huffing all week, you know. But the ministry owns uh, three lodges now. One of the beautiful ones is right there on campus and the other one's back up to it. And uh, so there were several uh, several uh, couples and uh, Tavana and I had a room there. And of course, she didn't get to go at the last minute. All the meltdowns at work and, you know, her, she, she didn't really have a choice. But anyway, I was at the Sleepy Hollow Lodge. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, they gave me the Falcon room and was really blessed, and uh, there was several other couples there, and uh, Rick and Glenda Tate are from Missouri, uh, regional advocates there, and I, I had seen them a couple of times over the years, you know, but just at a distance, never really had time, personal time with them, and this time they were staying there at the lodge where I was, they had a room there, along with uh, they're from Missouri, and then Paul and Nancy Glass were there from Georgia. Uh, they're pastors and, and also uh, missionaries. And then uh, Scott and Nancy Hinkle, who are evangelists uh, from Fort Worth, and uh, Dan and Nancy Thompson from California, uh, who are pastors there. And uh, anyway, on. Uh, Thursday night, we came in, I don't know if any of you have seen the pictures I posted, uh, I posted pictures uh, of the trip last night late, I didn't get in until 1.30 on Friday night, uh, but I finally got some pictures posted up and I hope you all go and look at them. So, Thursday night we got in from the meetings and after dinner and everything and everybody I encourage everybody to come downstairs because uh, down there there's two rooms, mine and the, the Hinkles, and uh, and there's you know living areas and uh, fireplace and upstairs and down, and the, all the other rooms are upstairs. It's hotter up there. There's no air condition. They usually don't need it. But this is the end of July, so it's a little warm. So it's really cooler down there. And I encourage everybody just come down here, hang out. So they did, and everybody's just sitting around and sharing and talking about ministry and talking about all kind of wonderful things. And uh, Glenda Tate, uh, she's, a, she's a really awesome, wild woman. We really hit it off, me and her husband. He's making some uh, Christian movie uh, right now. He and uh, another guy, Ed uh, Shirley, Ed Mona Shirley from Colorado, and they, they were over there later that night. But uh, I told uh, Glenda, I said, you're awesome. I, because they just really, they took a liking to me and I, 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 them, as well as all the others there. But they, I told her, I said, you remind me, you're a cross between my crazy sister, Cindy, who I love very much. She's always been fun and, and uh, can brighten up a room or, or she can really bring it down. But, uh, <laughs> but so by, I was talking about the bright side of my sister. <laughs> I said, you remind me of a cross between my sister, Cindy, and, uh, uh, What's the the actress uh, singer from uh, Bette Midler from Beaches, right? 
my sister Cindy and Beth Midler, and they were like, uh, okay, I said, you know, spirit-filled and on fire for God, so you can imagine her, and just, just awesome, awesome, and uh, we all laughed, and, and I got them all, I said, say hi to Demona, you know, and take pictures, and they all turned and wave and everything, so I got those pictures, and uh, then everybody started to break up to go to bed, and uh, she got up, and, and one of the ladies had, had been uh, wanting an impartation of uh, more for uh, prophecy, and uh, because she was always already walking, and the, they've been going back and forth to the Philippines, and they're going to go again, and she really just wanted that released to where she had more of the flow, so... Uh, Miss Glenda, she said, we'll just pray for you now. And she laid hands on her and imparted, uh, um, you know, this spiritual gift and uh, for in greater measure, you know, to, and that was, and we all prayed. And then she went on up to bed and they all went to bed. And uh, except for Glenda's husband, Rick, he and I sat down there and visited for a little while longer. And then he went on up to bed. I stayed up to pack because we, I needed to take my stuff with me. Uh, the next day in order to leave after the last session and lunch to go straight to the airport because I had a rental car and most of them were being shuttled either to Denver or to Colorado Springs. Anyway, I stayed up and packed and I'm not good at it so I had to take a picture of how Tavana had done it when I got there so I knew how to put it back. I got it all done right, finally got it all in there. I said, don't pack too much because you know I'm going to come back with more than I left with, right? So right, I got it all done and I just laid down and I started to read uh, this book about... Uh, the wisdom of God that uh, Greg Moore had written and given to me. And uh, he said, I know you're busy. Just read, at least read chapter 3 and chapter 12 and so forth. So I just laid down. I started to read chapter 3. And I heard... At, at <laughs> In the old days, I thought it would have been uh, somebody arguing. Uh, but I knew it wasn't. <laughs> That's odd. Uh, and so I just listened a little harder, and I heard a lot of movement upstairs and so forth, and I, I recognized it as, uh, as uh, believers taking their authority. And uh, I went up, and <laughs> Glenda was, uh, she had passed. And, uh, and so I went in, and with the others, we, except for the Hinkles, they, they were still asleep. They didn't hear it, and they had fan on in the room and so forth. We, we were all in there, and we just began to pray uh, over her and pray in, in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and, uh, and commanding her, you know, to come back into that body and, and just taking up our authority. And I, I literally had no doubt. I, I began, I just... I, I just I started thinking of her her walking into the the meeting the next day with us and uh, how she was going to love telling this story, you know. And uh, didn't happen for a while. And then the the EMTs got on the phone with us and stuff. And then they had us put her on the floor. And then we had to begin to physically uh, do six hundred of these, you know. <laughs> and that's hard when you can't breathe very well. So we had to switch off. And around, and uh, where EMTs got there, several from the sheriff's department, several from the police department. Uh, I mean, the fire department EMTs, and they were all wonderful. They came in and sort of kicked us out for a bit. So we said, "Well, we'll just continue to pray in here in the living room," and we did. And uh, and we said, "You know, we'll just pray in here." And one of the one of the uh, sheriff deputies, I remember, he said, "Oh, I, I thought I, we all praying in French." <laughs> I said, no, son, that's the Holy Ghost. We pray in tongues. We're, we're crazy Christians. He said, oh, okay, that's awesome. So we just kept praying, and uh, they did everything they could, and, and uh, it, did not, it did not work. And they came and, and told Rick, and he was, he was uh, you know, in shock, sort of, but uh, he he stood in faith. And uh, the coroner, we, we wanted to say, well, we want to go back in. Ed Shirley, their friends, Ed and Mona Shirley, who were over at the hotel, had come over. And uh, he said, we want to go back in and, and continue to pray because we're the crazy, spirit-filled Christians, and we believe we can bring her back. And he said, absolutely not. You can't 
you can't until the coroner comes, you know. And so we said, okay, well, we respect that. And so the coroner came, his nice young lady, very sweet and very, very compassionate. They were all wonderful. And uh, she said, there's things that I have to do by law, you know, and, and then absolutely I will make her ready and let you, you all come back in. So she did. And she came back, and, and uh, from her Fitbit, they could determine, you know, it was 1135 or whatever that she had passed, and um, just a huge spike, right? and then that was it. Um, so when she was done, we went back in and began to pray again. And uh, But when we were praying in the living room, I had, uh, in the midst of uh, my prayer language, there was about a three- the five-second interval where I just had this, a spirit of joy and laughter overcame me. And I quickly suppressed it. <laughs> um, but then the other ladies, the, the three Nancys that were there, they began to tell me, and the one that she had laid hands on, that Glenda had just laid hands on about prophecy, came to tell me first. She goes, I saw a line when I prayed, when I first prayed for her, and she was on the other side of the line and she was dancing. She didn't tell the other ladies, but they all three saw the same thing. And we just didn't say anything about that because Rick was still there by her side praying, and so we continued to pray. But I started wondering what was going on. And this went on for a long time. And finally Rick just... He was down on his knees because she was on the floor then. And we, he just backed up and he said, Guys, we need to stop. And uh, we stopped. And he said, there was a conversation. So, if I, so now he admits this. He says, there was a conversation. And uh, she said, if this ever happened, uh, you know, basically with way, all things considered, she just wanted to go on and be with the Lord. And uh, I said, okay, if that's your decision, uh, I think it's a good time now for, and I asked the ladies to come back in and to tell him what they had seen. And they did. And it was very comforting to him. And uh, he just let her go. And anyway, there was a lot that happened on after that. We had to to help and, and so forth. But the, the next day, I found out that on the bus, on the shuttle bus with a group, a large group of the others, she had said the day before that, come to find out, she had died twice before and, and been brought back. And she said on the bus ride over, third time's a charm, if it ever happens again, I'm going to be with my Jesus. And I said, and, and so Andrew, the next day, Andrew, he, at our meeting, he, he asked me to, and, and the others that were there, <laughs> to come and talk about it a little bit. I said, that rascal, I said, Rick, he, he did what any of us men would do. <laughs> at first, he was a little selfish, and not in a bad way, but in the sense that he didn't want to let his wife go. But when he finally admitted what she had asked for, then I couldn't help but thinking, I didn't say it out loud, but man, if you'd told me this, I'd have already got some sleep tonight, you know. Because, and then I found out the next day from Chris Barhorse's wife that, you know, the impartation that Glenda gave to uh, Mrs. Glass the, that night before when they came back, uh, Chris Barhorse's wife, I'm sorry, I can't remember her first name, she had done the same thing for Glenda, because she had asked. Okay? And about the time that she had passed, which we had determined the time from the Fitbit, the coroner did, uh, she said that she was asleep, and she uh, had a dream or a vision that, that Glenda had came and, and just... In her room, and just she woke up and saw her, and she just said, standing there, and just put her hand on her leg. You see God working in all this. Mm -hmm. 
You see? Does this mean that healing isn't real? Does this mean that we don't have raising from the dead power in us? We have a free will, folks. And Smith Wigglesworth, the story about Smith is that when his wife died, he brought her back a couple of times. And she said, Smith, let me go. I'm with Jesus. <laughs> you have a free will. And the fact that the, it was God was so kind to show these ladies her dancing. And they said she, she loved to dance. And, uh, and that she was dancing with the Lord. I mean, it was just, it's just like, this is my choice. And God, was, God wasn't going to make her come back at that point, you see. I've heard of this other times. Almost everybody in that house has seen, uh, by their own hands, uh, people raised from the dead. Some of them, many people. You know. It's still a real thing, you know. And God is still good. He's still on the throne. When I got home, uh, it was late at night, Friday night. so exhausted and the next morning I went out to get the trash can and I uh, we have a Mexican metunia in our front yard on the side of the driveway and it had bloomed I have a picture um, bloomed the first the first little purple flower it's one single flower that morning and I thought of Glenda you know uh and then Samantha and Garrett came over and brought the baby and, and Harper yesterday for us to keep for a little while because it was their anniversary and they wanted to go plant shopping, believe it or not. That was their big date. But when they came and when they left, I walked out with them and I looked over and that that little Mexican petunia flower had already fallen off. And it just reminded me of Glenda. And I, I called Rick and he was sitting in the Denver airport just waiting for his flight to go home. Her husband and I told him how special and wonderful it was to to really get close to them and to get to know Glenda just and for a moment. And and I told him about, about that petunia and how it reminded me of her and how how fleeting life is and how quickly it can come and go. And it reminds me of the chapter in the book, Do It Now, nine one one, right? Uh, I just want to share that story with you, I, because it was it was interesting that I'm teaching on our authority and the power of the believer and the raising from the dead power that we have. It didn't change anything. I was so proud of Rick. He he started having to start make calls all night long. Her her children, his children, uh, her twin sister, and time and time again in the midst of all this, and he loved her very much. I would hear him say, because you would hear, you could tell on the other end, I don't know why God takes people like this and stuff like that. And Rick would say, no, God did not do this. God is love. God does not want to hurt you. He's a God of life. God didn't do this. And then he'd tell somebody else, he'd hear them talking. He said, no, nah, no, nah, the devil's not going to steal my joy. I'm not getting down there. I wouldn't honor her. And then he came up there uh, just before, after the last meeting and right when we were starting lunch, he said he told uh, Pastor uh, Greg Moore, who is one of, uh, he's the head of Army and he's one of Andrew's right hand men. He had gone and spent the day with he and his wife. I have a picture of us all and uh, spent with him. And then he said, bring me up, take me up to the school. I need to be around our family, you know. And we all loved on him some more before we had to leave. But uh, I just want to encourage all of you. I know that Don started the Healing University. When you start yesterday, Don, the Healing, Healing University, that's the new one they just put out. I think it's about 500 bucks, but I know I get a discount. But it's, it's about, it's, I think it's 48 video lessons. And it's got uh, lots of, Revelation and years of testimonies and things like that from not only Andrew Walmack but uh, Barry Bennett, who's a friend of mine. You'll see pictures of me and Andrew, picture of me and Barry at the meeting. Uh, has Dwayne Sheriff, who I know he's uh, Tavana has his book. He signed for her. 
uh, Carly Terradez, who Ashley and Carly came and preached, or, or uh, she stayed at the hotel, but Ashley came and preached for me one time, and uh, we had to wait a couple hours for the cops to clear the building because we had a burglar there when he got there. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Daniel Amstads, uh Greg Moore, who I just mentioned to you, and Carrie Pickett, who they they run. Mike and Carrie Pickett run everything. They're amazing people. But all those people are friends of mine. And all of those 48 hours, they're going to be awesome. And it's people that are way better at uh, expressing the message than me. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this. There won't be anything new. Not a single thing new that you have not heard or will not hear here. If I have time, the Lord permits, and you put up with me. We all have the same mind. It's all from the same revelation, the same word. It's just practical uh, applications of it and so forth. Teach you how to how to use your authority for yourself and for others. Amen? And what we need is the Holy Ghost and out of respect for what's going on next door here in just a few minutes and what we need to do here. I'm going to go ahead and break. But I'm going to... I'm going to, I know there's some interest, and I'm going to offer you guys, uh, we're going to we're going to offer you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Take care of that next week for any of you who do not have it, because you don't want to go on without it. If Jesus needed it, and he commanded his disciples not to do anything until they got it, who are we to say we can do it without it? Amen. I'm not going to force it on anybody, but we'll do that next week. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing day. Thank you for your love and faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you are with, with us even in the midst of the storms, the trials, and tribulations of life. And it makes it easy, Lord. We are carefree because we cast our cares upon you so we don't have to care anymore. We just we don't have to worry. We, we care about the outcome of things, but we don't have to worry and stress and strive over things because you have got it. And we trust you. And so we walk in that rest that you've provided through the atonement. We thank you. We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.